This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Hey, well, this is our, this is our last Sunday together uh, for the rest of the year, and we're about one week away from Christmas. And um, how many are ready for Christmas? Come on, wave at me. How many got all their presents taken care of? And there's one hand. That's good. Please pray for us afterwards. We need help. And, you know, um, the Christmas season brings upon so many emotions, a lot of mixed emotions. Um, We can't take for granted that there's a lot of people that really struggle during this season, Uh, people that are really hurting, people that are lonely, people that will be missing loved ones, people that come from split families or broken families. Uh, people that have had bad experiences. In fact, the, the statistics show it that uh, a large portion of our society today really doesn't like the season. And uh, there's a lot of you that do love the season. And unfortunately, wherever you're out on the spectrum, we can get um, preoccupied with the busyness and the presence and the parties and the fudge. We've had a, literally one or two parties every day, got another one tonight. And um, if you're wondering why we are now looking full gospel, it's because... <laughs> We are <laughs> eating a lot, you know, at these, all these parties. And so um, I think it's important for us. Thank you, the three of you that laughed. That was a joke, by the way. I think it's important for us to, to stop and to pause and to just remind ourselves once again, despite what you're facing, why we celebrate the season. Unfortunately, what happens is we, we put our sights on our circumstances and we begin to look at this for, through a negative lens and we forget to focus on the reason why he came. Jesus came to heal you. He came to help you. He came to make bad things good. He came to make crooked paths straight. He came in the midst of our broken world, our mistakes, our regrets, are unfortunate situations to show up and say, you know what? Hope has come. Hope has come. And and it's in these particular moments, again, wherever you're at in the journey, where we just, we have to stop and we have to just remember why we are celebrating what we're celebrating and exactly what the theme of this whole series is about. Make room for him. Make room for him to invade your world and your life and your thoughts and your circumstances and your emotions. Push it all aside and let's celebrate the reason why he came. In fact, I want to go as far as to say this, is that what we believe about Christmas greatly impacts what we believe about life itself. I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus really came here. He really came for you. He really came to make life better for you. He came to help you, heal you, give you a chance at a personal relationship with him, give you eternal life. Someone right here should get excited and really say, amen. Come on. And it's just what we believe about Christmas impacts the way that we live. In fact, I'm going to say it another way here on the screen is, is that, um, If we don't recognize the reason why he came, we won't recognize the reason why we live. Think about that for a second. 
push aside all the stuff and come to this place. Where got, I got to recognize for a moment right now, why did he come? Not just for humanity, personalize it. He came for you. He came for your challenges and your brokenness and your circumstances and your challenges and your disappointments, your grief. He came for you. And when we can recognize the reason why he came, we'll begin to live life more abundantly. If we don't, we're going to miss the whole point. So can I, can I just beg you this morning, as we kind of walk through this next week of Christmas together, let's remember why he came and let's make room for him. And this is what I've been praying every day. I wake up in the morning, I've written this down in my prayer journal. And this is something that we started this series with and I hope that you're praying with me. It's this whole thought of, I'm making room for Jesus in my life. Come on, I'm making room for Jesus to be my first, to be my all, and to be my everything. I want him in every part of my world, every part of my life, the areas where I really need him and even the areas maybe that I don't want him to come in and touch. I mean, if we can be real honest, we're just saying, Jesus, you're gonna be Lord of all or you're not gonna be Lord at all. And we've gotta come to this place where say, God, life is much better if I live a surrendered life to you. Just give you control of everything. And you come and you help me and you guide me and you speak to me and you encourage me and you fill me and you bring hope and peace and joy. It's all available to us. And that's what this whole series is about. Let's make room for Jesus to be our first, to be our all, and to be our everything. You know, during the past few weeks, um, we've been looking at different people in the Christmas story in Luke chapter two, those that made room for Jesus and those who didn't make room. Unfortunately, there's a lot more people in the story that didn't make room, like King Herod, like the religious leaders, like the religious elite, like the townspeople, like the innkeeper. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> They all had Jesus within proximity. They just didn't make room for him. But we looked at, just a few weeks ago, the story of Mary. And Mary made room for Jesus. Luke 2, 19, it says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. She made room for Jesus in her heart. She wasn't just the birth mother. She didn't just see an infant in a manger. She saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and her life was radically transformed in that moment as well. But this morning, I wanna look at another group of people. I wanna look at the shepherds because it's interesting as you really begin to dissect this group of individuals, they didn't just make room for Jesus in their hearts, they made room for Jesus in their world. It wasn't just something that they personally experienced. It wasn't just a private thing to them, a private matter. They made it a public proclamation that the world might know. Listen, so that you would know. The fact that they heard and shared is the fact that you're here today able to celebrate the fact that you heard. Someone told someone to tell you, 
And if you go back, these were, this was the first group of people that actually heard and shared about the Savior coming to the earth. And when you look at the shepherds, it's interesting to see that, that God didn't use or didn't choose to use um, a highly reputable or respected group of people or an individual. He didn't use Caesar Augustus. You thought that would have been the simplest way to get the message out. You, you know, speak to Boana, get the word out from the top dog, and let's get it out so that everybody knows that the Messiah is here. Uh, they didn't go through, he didn't go through King Herod. He didn't go through the religious elite. Listen, God chose the lowest to speak the greatest message ever told. He took those that were below the common people. These were the lowest class of people. They were considered ceremonially unclean. They didn't have the opportunity to be involved in all of the uh, religious practices and the, the hand-washing ceremonies and all the things that were necessary in order to be around the quote-unquote good religious people. So they were actually branded and labeled as ceremonially unclean. They were like the low of low. They were outcast. They were separated. Isn't it interesting to you, to me, that God chose to speak to them? I think about that, and I think it was, I think it was crystal clear the message God was trying to communicate. God's going to speak to everyone everywhere to make sure no one is left out, regardless of the mistakes you've made, the problems that are in your life, how much regrets you have, no matter how fractured or broken your life might be. Can I, can I encourage you today? There is good news for you. He came for everyone. He came for us all. And so with that in mind, I, I want to look at a portion of scripture. And I want to just give you a few verses before we look at our pilot scripture. And I want to set the stage for what took place before the announcement and what was going on with these shepherds. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to go back to our Christmas story in Luke chapter two. It's in the New Testament, four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke chapter two. And I want to look at the setup, the setting the stage for where we're going today. So Luke 2, uh, verse 8 says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I come to bring you good news of great joy. Amen. That will be for all the people. For unto you this day there's a Savior that is born in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Let's just set the stage for a moment. We've heard this story so many times. It's just kind of like, well, that's a cute little Christmas story. 
But put yourself in the midst of this story. I mean, give yourself some context. You know, for my wife and I, we used to go camping all the time with our kids. And we lived around Lake Tahoe up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And you can see like a a godillion amount of stars. I mean, there's just like zillion, zillion stars. It is so bright. And you can just see these crisp stars everywhere. And you just, you sit there and you're just overwhelmed by the wonder of God. Just seeing in the natural, just the stars. But imagine the moment where all of a sudden the heavens open up and it's just like spotlights from God. I mean, and just all of a sudden an angel shows up and begins to talk to you and begins to tell you about glory to God in the highest and he begins to speak to you. And he says this, fear not. I mean, it's just like, whoa, you know. Are you kidding me? I mean, if it's an angel showing up and spotlights from God, I mean, I've got my depends on. I mean, it's just like... Come on, it's just like, this is a moment. This is, let's just put ourselves into context here. You think that's enough, then all of a sudden it says, and then there was the heavenly host. I mean, angelic choir and musicians, and they begin to descend and land on your tent and on your table and around the campfire, and they begin to sing with you. Glory to God in the highest. I mean, there's, it just is this experience. Imagine you're just sitting there, here are angels and they're singing, the guy on a harp and I mean, another guy on a trumpet and there's this, and you're, you're experiencing this. You guys are really sad that no one's smiling. I mean, imagine that. I mean, th- th- this is what's happening to these shepherds. It's just like they're having an encounter. It's huge. Here, here's my point. Their incredible encounter brought about an incredible response. What they experienced determined what they responded to. I want you to think for a second about your life and your encounter with Jesus. Was your your encounter an incredible one? And if it was, hopefully it was, you're here today it would result in an incredible response. So let's just, we're just starting now. Now now let's set the stage for for this scripture of, of their response to their encounter. Because I'm gonna encourage you today. I'm gonna challenge myself today to increase the kind of response we have because of the encounter we've had. Can I hear an amen? Are you with me? Okay, I'm glad you're with me. Luke 2, verses 15 through 18. Here's the setup. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I mean, it wasn't just kind of like, oh, yeah, why don't you guys want to kind of go? You want to kind of go? It's kind of like, let's go! I mean, it's just like, this, this is like emphatic, excited, intense. I mean, they just had this encounter. Let's go. Let's go see. And so you can see this by the response. It says, so they hurried off. It wasn't like we'll sleep in till the crack of 10 and then we'll go. It's we're going now. We're right now. Let's drop everything. We're leaving the sheep. We're hiding our kids and wives. I mean, we're going now, Right? And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
And I want you to catch this last verse because we're going to talk about this for the remainder of our time. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who were with him, or excuse me, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. I I want you just to think about this because here's what we're going to unpack here today. We find that the shepherds, their, their response to their encounter really was three big things. They saw him, they shared him, and as a result, the world celebrated him. It's really that simple. I want to pray just for a moment. And I want to ask the Lord to help us, to just, just to, to dial in here for the few minutes that we have and for the Holy Spirit to speak to us about our lives, about our encounter with him. My prayer is, is that you and me will be something that wells up inside of us that causes us to be like these shepherds in the coming days like never before. Do you bow your head and let me pray for you? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you that, uh, Lord, that you saved us, that you've helped us, that you have, Lord, done so much in our lives. And Lord, we want to be about sharing the great things that you've done in our life. And so, Father, would you come, Lord, to every person here today God, would you speak to them? Would you open up their hearts to receive, God, what you want to say to them? We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, one of the uh, most incredible experiences that uh, people would ever experience, primarily on the ladies' side, is this idea of getting engaged. And there's something that happens in this moment. And again, this generation has taken this idea of engagements and proposals to a whole new level. I mean, the parties, the social media, the video in the tree, the helicopter flying in to get, make sure the drone kind of landing to make sure that it happens. And I mean, it's just like, it, it's, it's more of an incredible experience in the birth of Jesus almost. I mean, it's just this huge huge ordeal. I mean, the, the, the world has to know what just happened. And you know, the interesting thing about it is it kind of moves to this idea that the center of God's will for that moment, for the entire globe is the ring. It's just, it's all about the ring, right? It's all, all about the money. Am I speaking to anybody that's experienced someone like that? I mean, you know someone that's done this. Come on, wave at me. Come on. Come on, one of you, get, come on, is there anybody, that, come on, okay, lots of says. How many of those have actually been that person? I mean, come on, you just, yeah. thank you, that's awesome. He's honing, he's going, yeah, and I'm still talking about it today, good for you. All of a sudden, the, the, the ring is like the central, the central uh, will of God. I mean, it's just, it's all about making sure that everybody knows about the encounter. And you begin to just, Watch that person that's just recently engaged. Uh, she can't help but to make sure that you know there's a ring, right? And so pick up the cup of coffee and it's the new, forget the pinky, it's the, the ring finger and they're drinking. Hey, how you doing today? Can we go to coffee? I love my coffee cup. Isn't it nice? And you know, they're sitting there going, well, tell me a little bit more about the story. And 
I got a, you know, itch in my eye. And even during worship, some of you here, you know, it's just kind of the six finger worship. I love you, Lord. I love you. And so it's all about making sure that you know about the experience. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And the reality is this, is that something so significant has happened to her. She can't help but share with everyone, everywhere, about her first love encounter that just took place. So it was with the shepherds. They had a moment. They had an encounter. A genuine, real encounter with God himself in the flesh. They couldn't help but sharing with everyone everywhere about what just had happened. So it is with you, so it is with me. If we've genuinely had this encounter, we should be passionate about wanting to share with people what Jesus has done for us. You know, if if you go to Luke 2, and I encourage you to do this, and you look at the first 38 verses, you'll find something very interesting. And I believe God did this intentionally for us. And the Dr. Luke made sure to, to emphasize this. The first seven verses deal with the event itself, the birth of Christ. 21 verses dealt with the response of people to the event. There's three times more scriptures, 21 verses, verses seven, three times more scriptures dealing with how people responded versus than the actual birth of Jesus himself. Luke wanted us to understand, listen, how you respond to what God has done for you is a really big deal to him. Why? Because he didn't just come to die for you. He came to die for everyone. He didn't just come to help you. He came to help everyone. And the way he put this all together, he chose to use us as his vehicle, as his mouthpiece, as his hand, as his feet to share his love with those who desperately need him. That's why you're in the lives of all of those people around you. He wants you to make a big deal. Just like this girl with the ring, he wants you to make a big deal about your first love encounter with Jesus. We see that in scripture. And if you've truly made room for him in your heart, you can't help but to make room for him in your world. I'll say it again. If you've truly made room for him in your heart, you can't help but to make room for him in your world. And so let's do this here in the few minutes that we have together. Let's look at these three things that the shepherds did that we should do. And the first thing we see as we begin to unpack this scripture in Luke 2 in verse 17 is we see the very first piece of making room for Jesus in your world is that you have to see him. You have to see him. Luke 2, 17 says this. And when they had seen him. This word seen in the the Greek, it means this. It means to, to comprehend deep in your heart. 
It means that something happens inside of you because of an encounter that you had. It's not just something that you see, but it's something that you see. Let me follow me here. A, A lot of people see Jesus, but they don't see him. You can go to the mall today and you'll find Christmas music everywhere, little nativity scenes. You see people getting stacks of Christmas cards with scriptures and they see, but they don't see. When you look at this story, you find that there are people in the scripture that saw but didn't see. King Herod, the innkeeper, the religious elite. They saw, but they didn't see. And what this scripture is telling us is that it says, when they had seen him, meaning when they fully encountered him, when they came into his presence and the result of that encounter completely transformed their life, their heart, their spirit, their world. And that's what that word means, is when they saw him, when, when he encountered them, when their life was transformed, when they realized their desperate need of him, then they saw him. You can't share him if you don't see him. Let let me take it just one one step further. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the day, the moment, the place, the smell when you first saw him? Think about it. For me, I remember that day very, very significantly, very, very specifically. Early Sunday morning, In August 1982, I remember it to this day, 6 a.m. at my front door. I remember the encounter. I remember the moment. I had seen him before, but I didn't see him. My life was radically transformed forever. Why? Because I finally saw him. Let me me just take it one step further. This, This is real important for you to think about. Have you seen him lately? Let me take it one step further. Have you seen him today? Did you make room for him this morning? Did did you just stop and just say, I just got to be with him? I just got to stop. I got to push everything aside. I just want to. I want to hear from him. I need to sense his presence and his love. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it, it's not enough just to see him when you gave your life to him. He, he wants you to see him all the time. Every moment of every day. When you're facing your trial, your challenge, your marital conflict, the zeros in your bank account. I mean, whenever you're facing the trial and tragedy, do you, do you look down upon your circumstances and your challenges going, oh my gosh, or do you just stop and see him? That he's there, that he wants to provide for you and he wants to protect you and heal you and help you and fill you and all. He just, he wants you to see him. 
Because when you see him, you'll be forever changed. You'll no longer be relying on your your own strength and your own ways. You're just going to be completely dependent on him. Think of like Paul on the road to Damascus, Acts 9. I mean, the scripture says, and when he saw him, he fell to the face, he's blinded, and all of a sudden he, he saw him, but the rest of his life, if you read through all the different epistles, 14 different epistles, you find that Paul lived a life of seeing him every moment. The disciples, Zacchaeus, Mary, I mean, they saw him. Come on, guys. Can we recognize that what the enemy wants to do is to rob you of seeing him? If he can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. If he can't destroy you, he'll just distract you. He'll just put enough busyness in your life that your eyes are on all of the natural almost to the point where you just don't have enough time for him because you're too busy doing life that you forgot to live life. And when, listen, when we can live that way, where we just stop and we just see him, here's what happens. And I can measure it in people's lives. You get to share him. You can't help but to share him because you've seen him. It's just like the ring thing. Come on, guys, listen. When you put the ring on and you really understand it, it's the first thing you can't help to tell everybody. You're so excited, I can't believe it. Just look at my ring. I just love it so much. We're just gonna just gonna keep talking about it. But what happens is a couple of months later and you get married and then you have kids and then all of a sudden, it's real slow and all of a sudden, you forget that you even got a ring on your finger. I mean, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm... Dumb diamond ring, dumb wife, dumb life, dumb, right? No, guys, I'm just being honest. All of a sudden, listen, we begin to treat the precious as common. And because you haven't seen him, you don't want to share him. You can always measure the passion of a relationship with someone by how much you talk about it. I've been married 37 years and I proudly brag about my wife everywhere I go because I see her. I, I don't just see her, although I see her. It's, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. But that, that's so secondary. L- listen to me. I shouldn't have done that. Take that off the tape. Anyways. But thank God 37 years I still see her. And I see her. I see the way she loves God, the way she loves me, the way she loves people, her dedication and sacrifice to helping hurting and wounded people and foster kids. And I'm so attracted to her because what I see that I can't help but bragging about her. You guys can fight over second best. I've got numero uno. I can say that, listen, because my relationship remains in a first love relationship. When it comes to me wanting to share him, 
speaking of Jesus, if you're around me any length of time, I like to share with everyone everywhere. To my point, sometimes my wife will just go, okay, you do that, I'm going this way. I mean, I can't help but to talk about him because what he's done in my heart and my life. We were just at lunch the other day and we are talking about our candlelight and it was myself and Robert Jameson were down, one of our executive pastors, we're at Parkstone and I'm handing out church at home packets to every waitress that served us over the last couple months and every table I'm trying to, hey, you should come to this and there's these two ladies, there's these cute little, little old ladies, they're drinking wine and then a beer and then some other things, just get high as rock right here. I said, you should come and go, I love come. I mean, it's just like everybody there, I mean, it just, I could guys, I couldn't help but to tell them. That might sound extreme, and I I know society tells you, well, don't do that, that's weird. I choose to do it because it just may be that I am the only Jesus they may ever see. I don't know what happens in the car wreck afterwards. I don't know what happens if they have a heart attack, but I can stand before God knowing that that day, those two ladies had an opportunity to hear about him, and I was excited to tell them about that. Why? Is because every morning I see him. During the day I see him. So I can't help but to share him. You look at all the opportunities again. The last thing we want to do is to cram stuff down people's throats when it comes to invite them here and there. Listen, we're just hoping we're putting tools in your hands so that when you see him, you'll go share him. So we talk about candlelight, and again, we're we're a church that's really passionate. If you've been here long enough, you know, we are really passionate about foster kids and sex trafficking victims and homeless people and orphans and single parents and people. We want them to see him. But the only way that they can see him is if we share him. So, so as you get these, as you, as you get, you know, the invite cards, I mean, don't, don't, don't take it in a negative way, but just grab those things and go, God, Lord, maybe the challenge that I'm facing because I don't want to share them is because I haven't seen you enough today. God, remind me of my first love. Remind me of what you've done in my life. God, remind me of that moment when someone shared with me how my life was transformed, that I have the opportunity to be an ambassador of Christ be able to help someone come into a personal encounter with him. Someone smile, someone say, amen, that's me. Come on, amen, come on. Here's my last point, we're done. I thought she was gonna come up and preach for a second, it's good. (laughs) She's my last point, no. (laughs) Listen here. When you see him, you'll share him. And here's probably the most exciting part of this story is the world will celebrate him. It says that all who heard it, meaning someone had to say it, all who heard it, what you said, it says they were amazed that this is one of the most powerful Greek words in the Greek language. It, it, it has this idea of marvel, beyond wonder, beyond comprehension. It's like if, if you were to win today the, a $5 billion lottery, it's like, duh! I mean, it's just like, it's like this, 
beyond what I could comprehend thought. Listen, because people are desperate. They're broken. They're hopeless. They're hurting. And there's something about someone coming along and just going, there's hope for you. It doesn't have to be that way. Listen, there's someone that can come in and help you. His name is Jesus. Remember that moment. There's no greater privilege. There's no greater joy that I've ever experienced in my life other than sharing the good news with someone and having them respond to Christ and watching before your eyes a supernatural transformation where someone is plucked from the pit of hell and actually has a personal encounter with Jesus. (gasps) Forget them being amazed. I'm amazed. And you, you know, I... I oftentimes remind myself of the reality that someday, this is for all of us, we'll stand before Him. You begin to read the book of Revelation. A lot of it doesn't make sense. I don't understand a lot of it. The one part that does make sense, it says that there will be multitudes that will worship Him from every tongue, every tribe and every nation. The scripture actually says beyond the ability to count. Think about that. I think about people that live around me and I I wonder will I see that person in heaven? I think about the people actually that I've led to Christ. I mean, I mean, listen, this is beyond just a sea of people. This is going to really happen. You know, one of the first things I'm going to look for when I get there is my dad, who gave his life to Christ the last day of his life. I go, Dad, Dad, where are you? I mean, it's going to be so thankful that he's there. I, it's like the scripture says, just amazed. Just, God, thank you for saving him. Think about my sisters that gave their life to Christ. I'm going to think about my friends. I'm going to think about the two ladies at Parkstall. Thanks, I'm here because of you. I mean, I'm going to think about Wendy who lives down the street who we gave a packet to while we were shoveling snow. And it's just, there's this hope. There's this expectation in my heart that I'm going to get there someday and there will be multitudes as a result of something that I did, something that we did as a church, that thousands will come to Christ because we decided to not just see Him and share Him, but we can now celebrate on that day. God, help us to to, to see that. What a great joy that's going to be. Can I hear an amen? Isn't that going to be an awesome day? you bow your head and close your eyes and let me just finish by asking just a very important question maybe this morning you came into this place and maybe you've seen Jesus but you haven't seen him maybe you've prayed to him maybe you've sung songs about him maybe you've attended church and heard about him 
Maybe you've read your Bible and you've read about him, but you've never taken that step where you've opened up your heart and said, Lord, I want you to come in, live inside of me, be my Lord, be my first, be my all, be my everything. Forgive me of my sins. I want a new start. I want a new life. He makes it real simple. He just simply says, open up your heart, invite me in, and I'll come in. If you make room for me, I'll make room for you. If that's you this morning, and you'd like to do that, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but if you're here and you'd like to ask Christ, you wanna make room for him today, would you just lift your hand up? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, buddy, come on. Anyone else, thank you in the back. Just keep your hands up if you wouldn't mind, because I'm just gonna real quickly have a host give you a, a purple book is what it's called. I see a couple hands, just keep it up. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything else. There's one up here, one up front. There's a couple up front here. Anyone else to say, you know what? Today I'm making room. I'm going to make room. My life's going to be transformed today. Come on, guys. All he's going to do when he catches you is love you, fill you, give you hope, give you peace, give you a future. Thank you, Lord. Would all of you pray with me on behalf of these people who can pray as well that raised their hand for the first time? Just pray with me, church. Come on, say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that you came and paid the penalty for my sins so that I could have eternal life. And I ask you, forgive me all of my wrongdoing and Lord come and live inside of me be my Lord and my Savior help me to follow you all the days of my life help me to be obedient to your word to not just believe in you but to behave like you and Lord I trust today that this is just a beginning point. Lord, a starting point. Lord, I trust in the days to come that you're going to help me to become more like you. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Would you put your hands together for those that prayed this for the very first time? Appreciate you. God bless you guys. It's awesome. Man, that's so good.